0: Pastor Clay is on vacation this week, and we pray for his family's safe return to us next Sunday. Delivering today's message at Cross Culture Church is Chuck Register, the head of church planting and missions with the State Baptist Convention in North Carolina.
1: Uh, This morning, as uh, many of you are aware, uh, Pastor Clay and Cindy, they've been off somewhere south of here, getting a tan somewhere, I'm not sure where. I think they're getting back soon. Uh, we have uh, the uh, uh, just the tremendous uh, uh, pleasure and privilege to have uh, Chuck Register uh, to uh, uh, preach uh, this morning. Uh, Chuck and his wife uh, Charlene have been attending here at the Cross Culture. Chuck's a, a very busy man. He is uh, uh, working uh, in the Baptist State uh, Convention, uh, specifically in church planting and uh, missions of strategies. Uh, so. Uh, often his work uh, carries him away uh, for the weekends, but it's great to have him uh, here uh, this morning. Uh, Chuck and Charlene have uh, two uh, children, Chip and uh, Tina. Uh, Chuck has served uh, in the ministry pastor at uh, Gulfport, uh, Mississippi, for, uh, I think, uh, 10 years or so. Uh, but here more recently, again in the last year and a half, he's been working with the Baptist State Convention. And again, Chuck, thank you very much uh, for uh, coming
2: this morning. Thanks, man. Good morning, cross culture it 's a delight to be with you, especially on mother 's Day, uh, one of my favorite Sundays of the entire year and to have the pleasure to worship with you today and to open god 's Word and study from god 's Word is a special treat for me. I invite you to take your Bible and turn with me to Luke chapter one, Luke chapter one as you 're turning, I want to read you this morning my favorite children 's story of all time. Can, can I do that if if you uh, want to, just reach over and grab one of your kids and put them in your lap and, and you can pretend it's getting close to bedtime because I want to read you my favorite children's story of all time. Perhaps you've read it, perhaps you treasure it like I do. It's entitled, Love You Forever. Listen to this great story. A male, mother held her new baby and very slowly rocked him back and forth and back and forth. And back and forth. And while she held him, she sang, I'll love you forever. I'll like you for always. As long as I'm living, my baby you'll be. The baby grew. He grew and he grew and he grew. He grew until he was two years old and he ran all around the house. He pulled all the books off the shelves. He pulled all the food out of the refrigerator. And he took his mother's watch and flushed it down the toilet. Sometimes his mother would say, this kid is driving me crazy. But at nighttime, when that two-year-old was quiet, she opened the door to his room, crawled across the floor, looked up over the side of his bed, and if he was really asleep, she picked him up and rocked him back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. While she rocked him, she sang, I'll love you forever. I'll like you for always As long as you're living, my baby, you'll be. That little boy grew. He grew, he grew, and he grew. He grew until he was nine years old, and he never wanted to come in for dinner. He never wanted to take a bath. And when Grandma visited, he always said bad words. Sometimes his mother wanted to sell him to the zoo. But at nighttime, when he was asleep, The mother quietly opened the door to his room, crawled across the floor, looked up over the side of the bed, and if he was really asleep, she picked up that nine-year-old boy and rocked him back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. While she rocked him, she sang, I'll love you forever. I'll like you for always. As long as I'm living, my baby, you'll be. The boy grew. He grew and he grew and he grew. He grew until he was a teenager. He had strange friends, and he wore strange clothes, and he listened to strange music. Sometimes his mother felt like she was in a zoo. But at nighttime, when that teenager was asleep, the mother opened the door to his room, crawled across the floor, looked up over the side of the bed, and he was really asleep. She picked up that great big boy and rocked him back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. While she rocked him, she sang, I'll love you forever. I'll like you for always. As long as you're living, my baby, you'll be. That teenager grew. He grew and he grew and he grew. He grew until he was a grown-up man. He left home and got a house across town. But sometimes on dark nights, the mother got into her car, drove across town. And if all the lights were out in her son's house... She opened his bedroom window, crawled across the floor, looked up over the side of the bed, and if that great big man was really asleep, she picked him up and rocked him back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. While she rocked him, she sang, I'll love you forever, I'll like you for always, as long as I'm living, my baby you'll be. Well, that mother, she got older. She got older and older and older. One day she called up her son and said, you'd better come see me because I'm very old and I'm very sick. So her son came to see her. When he came in the door, she tried to sing the song and she sang, I'll love you forever. I'll like you for always. But she couldn't finish because she was too old and too sick. The son went to his mother. He picked her up and rocked her. Back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And he sang this song. I'll love you forever. I'll like you for always as long as I'm living. My mommy, you'll be. When the son came home that night, he stood for a long time at the top of the stairs. Then he went into the room of his very new baby daughter as she was sleeping. He picked her up in his arms and very slowly rocked her back and forth, and back and forth, and back and forth. While he rocked her, he sang, I'll love you forever. I'll like you for always. As long as I'm living, my baby you'll be. How do you do it? How do you form a relationship like that with your children that lasts from the cradle to the grave? How do you form a relationship as a parent and we're talking especially this morning to moms, how do you form a relationship with your son or with your daughter that transcends the crib in which you lay them all the way to your grave or theirs? How do you do it? Some would say this morning, Chuck, that's just uh, the stuff of fairy tales. That's the story you find so heartwarming in a children's book. But it's not the stuff of real life. You can't really form relationships like that with your children in real life, oh, ladies and gentlemen, yes, you can. You can this morning if you're willing to make today, Mom, about gifts. Not gifts that you'll receive from your husband or your children, but gifts that you're willing to give your children every day the rest of their lives. You see, this morning we're going to examine the relationship between Mary and her son Jesus. And in looking at Mary and her relationship with Jesus, we find three gifts that Mary was willing to give to her son. And we see them following the story of that beautiful relationship between a mother and a son recorded for us in the Gospels. Luke chapter 1 is where we begin our study this morning. And we look at the very first gift, and it's the gift of a life transformed by faith. Mom, you must make a commitment this morning. If you want to build a relationship with your children that transcends time, that goes from the cradle to the grave, you must be willing to give your child the gift of a life transformed by faith. Let me show you what I mean. Luke chapter 1, we begin reading this morning, verse 38. Luke chapter 1, verse 38. And Mary said... Now, ladies and gentlemen, to understand... What Mary's about to say, we have to move back in the text and begin to understand the context in which Mary is about to speak. You see, in Luke chapter 1, something amazing has just occurred in Mary's life. It begins back in verse 26. Would you read with me, beginning in verse 26? Now, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph, and the descendants of David And the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was very perplexed at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign forever over the house of Jacob, and his kingdom will have no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. Ladies and gentlemen, can you imagine what's racing through Mary's mind, Gabriel the angel has just appeared to her and he has said to Mary you're going to give birth to a child and that in itself was a troubling statement for Mary knew that she was a virgin. She was a spouse. She was engaged. She was betrothed, if you will, to Joseph. They had not been married. The wedding feast had not taken place. She knew that it was impossible for her to bear a child. Can you imagine what's racing through her mind? Me? Pregnant? What will my parents say? What will my family say? What will my community say? I'll be a cast out. Me? Pregnant? And then the angel really lowers the boom on poor Mary. He says, not only are you going to be pregnant, but the child that you're going to conceive and give birth to, he's going to be the Messiah. He's going to be the anointed one. God has chosen you, Mary, to be the mother, the caregiver, the one who will love day in and day out God's chosen Messiah. You're going to give birth to God in the flesh, and he will be called Jesus, the Son of God. It is in that context that we come to verse 38, and we see Mary's response. And Mary said, Behold the bondslave of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word, and the angel departed from her. Ladies and gentlemen, do you see what transpires after Mary hears this magnificent, awe-inspiring message, as Mary hears this message that brings consternation and confusion even in her heart, as Mary hears this message that may very well throw her life upside down, she simply Displays for us a life transformed by faith. She cast her eyes toward heaven in my mind, and she simply says, Behold, a bond servant of the Lord. It's a phrase that literally means a slave. Mere responds to this magnificent message because her life has been transformed by her faith. Her faith in her heavenly father, her faith in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has so transformed her that even in the message and in the face of this challenging message she receives, she says, behold, bond servant of the Lord, may it be done to me according to your words. Mom, do you have that kind of Life transformed by faith? Is your relationship with your heavenly father so strong, so life-transforming, that even when you hear perhaps the most troubling message in all of your life, you just simply say, may it be done to me according to your words. Now, there are other glimpses in scripture where we see this concept being played out in Mary's life. This fact that her faith transformed her life. Look with me, if you will, as we read on Luke chapter 2. Come with me to Luke chapter 2 and verse 21. Excuse me, Luke chapter 2, verse 21. And when eight days had passed before his circumcision, his name was then called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the days for their purification, according to the law of Moses, were completed, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male that opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves and two young pigeons. Jesus is eight days of age. It is now time according to Mary's faith. It is now time according to what she has been taught in her religious understanding. It is time for her to bring her firstborn child to be offered to the Lord, to be dedicated to the Lord, and for a sacrifice to be offered. And ladies and gentlemen, Mary's faith has so transformed her life that we see her obediently following the religious teachings of her faith. Here she is at eight days according to the law of the Lord. Here she is dedicating her son to the Lord according to the law of the Lord. Here she is offering an offering of two turtle doves according to the law of the Lord. Over and over again, we see Mary's life being formed and fashioned and played out according to her faith. One other verse I want you to see, look with me if you will, chapter 2, verse 41. Chapter 2, verse 41. The videotape of the life of Jesus has been fast-forwarded, if you will. He's no longer eight days of age. Verse 41, now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. In verse 41, Jesus is now 12 years of age, but the Bible says her parents have a custom. Every year, according to their faith, they go up to Jerusalem for the feast of the Passover. What I need you to understand in these verses of Scripture, ladies and gentlemen, as we peek into Mary's life, is that Mary's had a life that was transformed by her faith. It molded her life. It shaped her life. It made her the person she was, and she lived her life according to the faith that she clung to in her heart. Here's what I'm saying to you, Mom. You want to build a relationship with your children that lasts from the cradle to the grave? Then every day of your life, let your children see that your life has been transformed by your faith. That's Mary's example in Scripture. George Barnum, writing the book, conducted some research for us. We see in a book entitled Transforming Children into Spiritual Giants, Barna discovered that 85% of parents believe that they have the primary responsibility for the moral and spiritual development of their children. 85% of parents, the primary responsibility for the moral and religious development of their children. But tragically, in the same study, look at this statistic. Over 66% of those same parents abdicated the responsibility to the church. Do you understand what Barna's saying? Barna's saying that he surveyed young parents with sons and daughters, and and 85% of those parents said, I have the primary responsibility to mold and shape the spiritual development of my child. I believe it's a biblical teaching. I accept that biblical teaching as my responsibility. I should watch and allow my children to see each and every day my life transformed by my faith. Over 66% of those same parents then abdicated that responsibility to the church. What does that mean? It means that those parents express themselves this way. Well, on Sunday, I go to cross-culture and I involve my children in the children's ministry at cross-culture. And that checks the box of my discipling responsibility in my child's life. And I make sure my teenage children are involved in the teenage ministries of cross-culture, and that checks the box of molding and shaping their religious faith. Ladies and gentlemen, I come to you this morning, and I beg you as a parent of 23 years, do not surrender to the church what is your biblical responsibility. The book of Deuteronomy, the book of Proverbs, the book of Ephesians teaches over and over and over again mom and dad are to live such lives that our children see that our life every day is transformed by our faith and that is our primary tool to disciple our children. Here's what I'm saying. Mom, your child should watch your life and see that your language is different than the language in the homes of their playmates. Your children, mom, should see that the decisions you make and the goals that you have and the reason that you live and the activities that you're involved in are completely different than the activities of the parents of their playmates. Why? Because your faith has transformed your life. That your faith is not simply something that happens on Sunday morning, but that your faith is something that forms who you are, mom, each and every moment of each and every day. And that becomes a powerful tool in the hands of God to mold and shape the spiritual development of your children. So you want a relationship with your child that lasts from the cradle to the grave? Be willing today to commit to give your child a gift every day of their lives. Every morning they awaken, let your child see that your faith makes you who you are. That your faith determines how you speak and how you think and how you respond. That your faith influences your patience and your temper and your faith is transforming your life. There's a second gift that I want you to think about this morning, Mom, that I think you need to give to your child if you want to have a relationship with them from the cradle to the grave. And that is the gift of a sacrificial life. Come back with me to God's Word this gift of a sacrificial life. Look with me, Matthew chapter 2, Matthew's gospel, the second chapter. Again, we're peeking into this life of Mary and her relationship with Jesus, her son. Matthew chapter 2, verse 13. Now, when they had gone, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, "'Get up, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt.' And remain there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to destroy him. Let me give you the background. The Magi have come and worshipped Jesus. They have knelt before him and surrendered those gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. They have departed. and Now an angel comes and speaks to Joseph. And the angel says to Joseph, Joseph... Herod is going to seek to destroy the child. So here's what I want you to do. I I want you to take your family and I want you to uproot your family and I want you to move them to Egypt for a season. Verse 14. So Joseph got up and took the child and his mother while it was still night and left for Egypt. He remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet out of Egypt I called My son, can you imagine how that conversation between Joseph and Mary would have unfolded if it had happened today? Do do we have any military families here? Do we have anybody whose husband has a job that shifts them around the country from time to time? Anyone here? I don't have a gift to give away. I don't have a prize, but this is part of audience participation. Anyone here ever had to relocate a family because, there we go, now we're starting because of a job. I see some hands. How does that conversation unfold? The man walks in and says, honey, there's a job opportunity, and I know it means that we're going to have to relocate from Florida, and we're going to have to move to North Carolina, or perhaps we're going to have to move from North Carolina to California, and, and we just need to go ahead and start packing. Is that how the conversation would go? Is it possible that your wife, sir, might say, pack? Where in California? Where are we going to live? Are we going to rent? Or are we going to buy? Have you found us a home? What about the school district for the children? Where will the children go to school? You mean move that far away from my mother? Can you imagine how the conversation might go? The scripture doesn't record any of that type of conversation between Joseph and Mary. Joseph has a vision. He awakens from that vision where the angel has said very clearly, I want you to... Pack up your family, Joseph. I I want you to walk away from your job. I I want you to go to a distant country. You you don't know the city yet. You don't know where you're going to live yet. You don't know the job that you're going to have yet. But I want you to take the child. It's for his own good. It's for his safety. And I want you to go to Egypt. And Joseph says that to Mary. And all we find in Scripture is that Mary just kind of starts packing. She packs the clothes and she packs the Tupperware and she gets everything ready for that move. Why? A sacrificial life. She knew inherently as a mom, even though Jesus is a young toddler, most believe at this point in history, she understands as a mom that, that it's her job to sacrifice for her child. We see this same kind of thing happen again. Look with me, if you will, in John chapter 19, if you will. Excuse me, Matthew chapter 2, verse 19. Matthew chapter 2, verse 19. But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go into the land of Israel, for those who sought the child's life are dead. So Joseph got up and took the child and his mother and came into the land of Israel. Can you imagine that conversation? What do you mean move again? We, we just got saddled. You, you're just beginning to make some income with your job. We we just have made new friends. We're, we're just beginning to be a family again, and now you want us to... Uh, there's no sense of that conversation between Joseph and Mary. Because Mary understood that mothers sacrifice for their children. Let me introduce you to Nikki Carpenter. Maybe you heard her story. Two weeks ago, yesterday, Nikki Carpenter, with her three children, a single mom living in western Mississippi, was the victim of that massive tornado that raced through that part of our country. Let me tell you the story of Nikki Carpenter. She and her three boys lived in a mobile home. The phone rang that Saturday afternoon, and as she picked up the phone, the only thing she heard, according to the story that was recounted by her sons, was someone saying, there's a tornado coming down your road. Get to the safest place. Ladies and gentlemen, if you've ever lived in a mobile home, there is no safe place in the midst of a tornado. But Nikki Carpenter understood that mothers sacrifice for their children. And so she gathered her three boys and got into the safest room she thought in that mobile home, and she put the youngest boys on the floor, and she covered them with pillows, and then she crouched over them as a bird would her young chicks. When the tornado passed, the first one to reach the rubble of her mobile home was her brother. Where the mobile home had once rested, it was no longer there. He looked out into the field and saw the remains of that mobile home about 100 yards out in a pasture. He raced to that site. He began to call out Nikki's name. And as he began to call out her name, all he could hear were the sounds of the cries of her children. When he got to the rubble of that mobile home, what he found, ladies and gentlemen, was a mother who understood about sacrificing for her children. You see, he found the oldest boy standing at the feet of his mother, and he found the lifeless body of his sister, the lifeless body of Nikki Carpenter, as she hovered over, and as he moved her to the side, unscathed her youngest boy's. Protected and shielded by her own body. A mother who understood a sacrificial life. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I'm convinced this morning that every mom in this room would do exactly the same thing. Now, I'm convinced in this morning that every mom in this room loves her child enough that in the moment of imminent danger, you would do whatever it would take to save your children. If it was rushing out into traffic to push them out of the way of an oncoming car, you would do that without hesitation. there was a tornado coming down your street, you would move heaven and earth to protect your children. That's really not the kind of sacrifice I'm talking about today. I'm talking about the sacrificial life that displays itself in the little things of life, the everyday things. It's a lesson I learned from this lady. The next slide, let me explain this picture. That's my mom. Can I get an awe from you guys? Thank you. She's 75 years young in this picture. You notice that we're standing in a swimming pool. Let me tell you the story. You see, five years ago, my son was graduating from high school, and and we had gathered about 75 intimate friends to our home for a crawfish bowl in South Mississippi. The house wouldn't hold that many people, so we had tables lining the pool in the backyard, and we were eating crawfish in the backyard, and Meemaw, that's what we call her, Meemaw decided that her grandson, the guest of honor, was about to run out of crawfish and he needed a whole new platter to eat from. As she went to give him his crawfish, she accidentally stepped off into the deep end of the swimming pool. Splash. When she went off into the deep end, I turned around to see the commotion and and saw mom kind of thrashing in the pool. And in goes her 45-year-old son after her. As we came to the steps to come out of the pool, A photographer clicked the picture. It's my favorite picture of my mom. It's a picture that reminds me over and over again that she taught me how mothers sacrifice every day for their children. It's the kind of sacrifice where mom only eats one piece of chicken because she knows her three hungry boys will eat all the rest. It's the kind of sacrifice where mom stays up half the night trying to make sure the science project is perfect so that the grade's going to look good on the report card. It's the kind of sacrifice where mom's up half the night with the thermometer, with the Tylenol, with the wet rag wiping the brow. It's the kind of sacrifice where, as I was going through high school, my mother had one Sunday dress in her closet and she wore it week after week, after week. Why? Because she had a son in law school that she was helping to prepare for his education. She had a son in college that she was paying his way to the University of Florida, and she had the small baby boy coming through high school about to enter into college. It was all the money she had for her wardrobe. That's what I'm talking about, ladies and gentlemen. You want to have a relationship with your child that lasts from the cradle to the grave? Then like Mary, be willing to sacrifice even in the everyday things of life. Be willing to make those small sacrifices that through the years add up one on top of the other so that when your children look back at their childhood and their teen years, and for me, even my adult years, they have the pleasure of seeing a mom who has sacrificed for them all along the way. Relationship from the cradle to the grave. There's this gift of a life transformed by faith. There's this gift of a sacrificial life. There's a third gift that I bring to your attention this morning. It is the gift of anyhow love. You know there are three types of love, don't you? There's if love. If love, as we see on the screen, is conditional. If you love me, I'll love you. I'll meet you halfway. You express love for me and concern for me and care for me, I'll return that. It's conditional. You have to love me first, and then I'll be glad to love you. Then the second type of love that we see is because love. It's obligatory. Because you love me, I am bound to love you in return. I may not want to love you. It may have never crossed my mind, but because you love me, I have an obligation to love you. That's not the kind of love we're talking about today that a mother should have for her children. We're talking about anyhow love. Anyhow love is completely unconditional. I love you anyhow. Let me show you quickly in Scripture just some glimpses of anyhow love for Mary, for her son Jesus. Look with me. Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. One of these glimpses of anyhow love that may be you can relate to as a parent. Luke chapter 2, verse 41. Now Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. and When he became 12, they went up there according to the custom of the feast. And as they were returning, after spending the full number of days, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but his parents were unaware of it. But supposed him to be in the caravan and went a day's journey, and they began looking for him among their relatives and acquaintances. When they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem looking for him. Then after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard were amazed at his understanding and his answers. Verse 48, when they saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us this way? Behold, your father and I have been anxiously looking for you. Ladies and gentlemen, the word anxiously used there is a word that literally is translated tormented. Have you ever lost one of your children? Supermarket? A mall? On a playground? I, I mean, they were right there. They, they were right where they were supposed to be. They were standing right by you, and, and you were distracted for just a moment, and when you turned around, they were gone. You understand what's going through Mary's heart. As for three days, she searches for her son. Twelve years of age, in Jerusalem, filled with millions of people, as it has swelled for this religious Passover feast, and she's frantically looking, and you can understand how tormented she is. Is he safe? Is he okay? Has someone harmed my son? you know what's going through Mary's heart. But ladies and gentlemen, you finish reading this passage of Scripture and you find no rebuke from Mary. You find no chastisement of Jesus. You find no discipline coming his way. All you find is the unconditional love of a mother. There's one other scene that I want to remind you of. It's there on the screen. It comes to us from John's gospel. It's a much different scene, but yet it shows the unconditional love of Mary. John writes, but standing by the cross of Jesus, his mother. Standing by the cross of Jesus, what a horrific scene for a mom to endure, looking on a cross and seeing her son with spikes in his wrist and a spike in his feet, looking upon a cross and seeing your son with a crown of thorns upon his brow, looking at your son and seeing him the victim of the Roman scourge, looking at your son as the perspiration and the blood drips and flows down his body, watching your son in the midst of intense agony and pain. But there by the cross, Because of unconditional love. Close enough, John records, for Jesus to carry on a conversation with his mother. There's Mary. Unconditional love. She loved him at the height of his ministry when he would preach to the masses. She loved him in his ministry as he would perform wonderful miracles to help those who were hurting. And now... In the valley of his ministry, as man would look upon his life, in this moment of pain and agony, when he's suffering and dying, there at the foot of the cross, when most everyone else had deserted him. There is Mary because of unconditional love. I've seen this concept in motherhood. For the last 23 years. Let me introduce you to one more lady. Second from the right. There's that old Mimo. She's dry now. She's got on her pretty wedding clothes. But I want to direct your attention to the lady. Second from the left. You see I've watched for 23 years. As she has loved her children unconditionally. She's standing here with her son. It's his wedding day. Our eyes gravitate toward that beautiful lady in white, the bride. It's her magnificent day. But but next to her is the son of a mother who's been loved unconditionally all his life. You see, I've seen that lady second from the left. I've seen her love her son when when he was standing on top of the world pitching as an all-star 10-year-old in Fort Smith, Arkansas and all the crowds were cheering and it was wonderful to be able to lean over and say, that's my son. I've seen her love him in that environment. And I've seen her love him when the telephone came for the third week in a row. Mom, I wrecked the car again. Can you guys come get me? I've seen her love him when when he was healthy and whole and nothing was, was stopping that young football player from being active on the football field. And I've seen her love him when his foot was broken and someone needed to bathe him so his cast wouldn't get wet. I've seen her love him unconditionally. I've seen her love him when the the school sent home the certificate, straight A's. And I've seen her love him when he would call from college and say, I need to drop chemistry because there's no way I'll pass. Unconditional love. You see, the truth is, Mom, one of these days you're going to be old, and I hope not, but maybe sick. And one of these days, you're going to want one of your children to come and pick you up and rock you back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And you're going to want them to sing. I'll love you forever. I'll like you for always. As long as I'm living, my mommy, you'll be. If that's the case, they must see in your life every day a life transformed by faith. They must see in your life a sacrificial life that's willing to make any sacrifice, the big ones and the small ones, for your children. And they must see anyhow unconditional love flowing from your heart to theirs every moment
0: of their lives. Chuck Register with the Baptist State Convention in North Carolina with today's message from Cross Culture Church in Raleigh. The Revelation series continues next week when Pastor Clay returns to Crosswalk. We're glad you joined us for this week's message on Crosswalk.